The GameCube's Cool Podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters for the month of August. I Rebel, Jem McKay, Dan Wagner, Kirsten Cardinal, Jed Winters, Christopher Valenz, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector, and Scott Gilmore. GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Mike, there's nothing I love more than uh, recording podcast episodes out of order. It makes it a lot of fun to try and remember, uh, you know, if we need to say on last week's episode or on next week's episode. It's getting very confusing between you and me. And there's really no way to know when we recorded this episode. Did we record it today? Did we record it five months ago? Did we record it five months into the future? And then we came back and put the episode out? Who knows? I think we recorded all of these episodes as the GameCube games were coming out. It, mm-hmm. It's all... The, the, we just we've just been holding on to them for for 20 years that's all we've just been waiting and Neil, it has been 18 years since f-zero gx came out which we wouldn't know though because we are in 2003 right now so the timeline's confusing yeah absolutely in 2003 2021 was not a real year like we had no idea we'd ever make it to 2020 no 18 years ago but yeah uh, f-zero gx is 18 years this week august 25th to be exact this episode will be going up on august 26th so we're ce- we're celebrating the boxing day of f-zero's birthday captain falcon can finally go gamble that's right 18 what, what i was just thinking what else can you do in canada when you turn 18 was it just lottery tickets uh, yeah, I mean, uh, lottery tickets, obviously Captain Falcon can now go on OnlyFans and sell his nudes. Nice. That's good. I can't wait for those to come out. I'm sure he's got a great body, man. He's got those metal nips. I'm sure that'll, that he's going to get a ton of followers, more, more followers than me. Uh, despite recording all these episodes out of order, it is still very hot here in Toronto, Canada. I'm still recording the show shirtless. So that's good. Nice. Nice. Let's keep, keep this, this steaming hot episode going. Steaming <laughs> That's one way of putting it, I suppose. <laughs> Mike, this is going to be a very heavy Patreon opening topic episode. Uh, y'all handed in your homework late this month, so we have to bundle them all up into one episode. But I respect that. I am a huge supporter of waiting until the last second to hand in your homework. I love procrastination. Absolutely. Remember, listeners out there, if you support us on Patreon at the $5 or above level, you get your name read in the credits and the option to submit an opening topic for the month. Mike, Joey Sirico writes in, and Joey wants to know, if the president of Nintendo, that would be, of course, Doug Bowser, came up to us and asked for you to handpick five games each to put on GameCube Virtual Console for Nintendo Switch, what games would they be? Hmm. To be fair, Neil, I'd also like to correct you here. Uh, Doug Bowser, president of Nintendo of America, not sure. Nintendo as a whole, but, you know. That's fine. We're, he would only talk to us since we, of course, don't speak Japanese. So they and yet. Nintendo com- yet and Nintendo completely ignores us unless, of course, we put GameCube merch <laughs> up on Redbubble. Then they then they care about us. <laughs> then they they love us. Then <laughs> oh yeah, then they absolutely want to send me an email, which I was flattered by. But Mike, if you had to pick five GameCube games, the first five GameCube games uh, to to appear on the Nintendo Switch Virtual Console, what would they be? Well, you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pick some left field games here, Neil, because you know I don't want to have the sunshines. I don't want to have the the, the no. easy easy wins here. Uh, even Double Dash is a great game, but I can still play F Zero. I want to play pick stuff that I just can't play anywhere. 
first yes. one comes to mind is Cubivore for me. I would pick mm. Cubivore because that game is famously extremely hard to find, very expensive, $700. No one should have to buy that to play that game. No. So I would have that on there for sure. I put some other favorites on like Ultimate Spider-Man. I would put mm. Nightfire on so I can play that online with people. Beautiful. Uh, maybe... Uh, maybe Godzilla destroy all ma- uh, all monsters because I do love that game. I know you do too, so you're probably gonna put it on. So I'm actually gonna change mine, and I'm gonna say King Kong the game instead, Ooh. which we covered a couple weeks ago, and we Sweet. really loved that game. And then my last one, Neil, actually out of left field for this one. Uh, I was thinking of this the other day, lying in bed, trying to think <laughs> of games that I would like to see on other consoles, and it's that's Second Sight. Oh, okay, Second Sight. We've we've covered that game, right? No, no, we haven't yet. No, not yet. Okay. Why Why do you pick Second Sight? Were you watching gameplay of that recently? I, I, I was thinking of Time Splitters 2 recently because I love that game. And then I was thinking of Free Radical Design who made Time Splitters 2 and they also made Second Sight. And it's a pretty cool game that, I mean, you can play it on PS2 and Xbox uh, as mm. well. But I think of it on GameCube. At least that's the, those are the memories I have of it. And okay. I was like, yeah, Second Sight would be a cool game to have on a virtual console. So, yeah. Just interesting. Put some random games out there, and uh, that's one of them. I love it. I love the idea of putting random games on these collections because <laughs> you're right. Like there, there are ways to play Double Dash and and Mario Mario Sunshine specifically these days. Double Dash a little harder. A yeah. lot of the GameCube games and GameCube exclusives are incredibly difficult to play in 2021. So it's really not hard to pick five games that are difficult to play, and we would love to have access to on a virtual console. My first pick, just because this is the F Zero episode, I had to go with F Zero GX. I of would love. Love to see an F-Zero HD. I would love to... I, I just want it to be HD remade. I don't need a new F-Zero game. I don't need it to be... I don't necessarily want it to be the original version. I would just... I just want to see this game in beautiful HD. You and I were playing it a few nights ago to get ready for this episode, and we were just just praying that, that this game gets remade in HD because even today in standard def, it's so close. Yeah, so it looks good. I would love that to be on the Nintendo Virtual Console ASAP. That would be my number one choice. Number two, you already said it, was Nightfire. It's our one of our favorite multiplayer games on the console. Love to play it online. Need it. Want it in my body right now. Uh, another game that you already said, Godzilla Destroys All Monsters. I talk about that game any chance I get. Yep. And I would love it to be on Switch. It's a perfect Switch game. It's a great multiplayer. I'd love to be able to play it on a Joy-Con. I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> Number four for me, a game that's very expensive, a bit of a, a niche game, hidden gem on the GameCube is Chibi Robo. Ooh, yeah. Good pick. Yeah, we haven't covered it yet, and it, it looks like a ton of fun. I'd love to play it uh, more. My friend Matt owns it, so I've played it a little bit, borrowing it off of him. But I think that that game would be great on Switch and uh, on the Switch Virtual Console, of course. Mm-hmm. And my last choice, Mike, a favorite game for you is Ribbit King. Ooh, very nice. Ribbit King, the frog golf game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, skipping over Mario Golf, because we just got a Mario Golf game on Switch, I'd like to have a little bit more of an alternative golf game to play, so Ribbit King is my choice. Plus, you have to pay like over $200 to buy this game for GameCube now, yeah. so again, it's mm-hmm. nice to give a little bit of accessibility there. Exactly. And Joey, don't forget, if you want to, most of these games are available online for you to torrent or play emulators of, which I fully endorse because Nintendo <laughs> refuses to give it to us. I'd gladly pay Nintendo for these games, but if not, go ahead and download that Dolphin emulator. And we'd like to say, too, that in the next month or so, we will be doing an episode talking about basically this topic, but even more so of games mm-hmm. that we would love to see on a GameCube classic. So stick around for that side mission coming out sometime in September. Yep, September 16th. That's when that episode goes live. So please check back and we'll have an even bigger list for you. Neil, you know the you know the future so well. Like 18 years in advance, you just know it. It's wild when we record a ton of episodes in a single week how I know what's coming up. <laughs> Especially it's crazy in 2003. how that works. 
Oh, especially in 2003 when we had no access to any internet. We didn't know what was going on in 2003. <laughs> Mike, Resident Evil Collector also writes in, great Instagram account, by the way, listeners, if you haven't already, go out there and look for Resident Evil Collector on Instagram. They have a great Instagram account, a lot of pictures of Resident Evil merch, hence the name. And uh, and they want to know, if you could choose only one Final Fantasy game from 1 to 12 to appear on GameCube, which one would it be? Mike, you and I have said before on the show that we're not traditionally huge Final Fantasy fans. Uh, we, we're not big JRPG fans in general, so the, the whole franchise uh, it would be great to have the whole franchise on GameCube since we didn't play any of them up until that point. So if you could pick from 1 to 12, which game comes to mind for you? Ooh, well, Final Fantasy VII would probably be the easy pick, just considering that it's probably the most well-known, beloved, and uh, recognized amongst the series. But I, I, I'm going to actually say Final Fantasy X, and that's because oh, nice. Final Fantasy VII—it's getting its remake. It's everything's happening with it. Let let it let it do its thing. Mm. I would like something quite different to come on, and that's Final Fantasy X, which I actually remember playing with uh, a family friend. She had it. And she was not into video games at all. And I was very mm-hmm. kind of almost taken aback when, when I saw her playing. I think she had the Final Fantasy X X2 HD remaster. Because uh, okay. this was, you know, this was probably 2013 that I saw mm-hmm. her playing it. I was like, wow, this game is actually really cool. It's got a, a really cool story. Uh, and I love the... I actually did enjoy how they did the voice acting there, I, although Final Fantasy voice acting isn't always great. But it was the first in the series that actually had voice acting. So I remember seeing it and being like, oh, whoa, this is this is pretty cool. So that, that would be my pick is Final Fantasy X ten. Great pick. And we talked a lot about uh, Final Fantasy in our JRPG and Final Fantasy Chronicles episode, which we did quite a while ago, earlier this year, if I remember correctly, or late last year. And we talked a lot about why the mainline Final Fantasy games are not on Nintendo hardware and GameCube, obviously. So go back and check that episode out if you haven't already. Uh, that's why we get a lot of Final Fantasy spinoffs and Kingdom Hearts spinoffs as well, is because mm-hmm. Square Enix can't put their mainline games on Nintendo hardware. It was part of an agreement that they had with Sony. And yeah, the obvious choice for me would, I would love to see Final Fantasy VII on GameCube. I mean, that's the game, really. That's the Final Fantasy game. It's that franchise's Ocarina of Time. So it would be great to see that game on GameCube. We just got a a nice remaster on PS4, which we were watching our friend Brandon play uh, over the weekend, which was nice. That looks incredible, that game. I'm not a huge JRPG fan, like I said before. So uh, whenever a Final Fantasy game hooks me, I'm always impressed by it because it takes a lot. I would love to see Final Fantasy VI on GameCube, which was an SNES version of the game. I believe in Japan that's Final Fantasy IV or III. I can't remember. The numbering is all messed up. (laughs) But uh, yeah, the... Final Fantasy voice acting just gets to me too much. Like, it's just so cheesy and so dramatic and over the top. And having an SNES version of the game would uh, alleviate that problem. Yeah. Because there is no voice acting. And it's beautiful sprite work. The music is terrific. I love love the art style of the SNES uh, JRPGs. They just look so crisp and clean. It looks like a storybook. So that would be really neat. And Resident Evil Collector, I know you said mainline Final Fantasy games, 1 through 12, but I'm also a huge fan of tactical games. Uh, I actually do enjoy those games from time to time. Like, one a year is enough for me. So Final Fantasy Tactics would be really neat to have on GameCube. Yeah. Um, More of a handheld um, genre, I think, but still, I I would like to see, like, maybe a Final Fantasy Tactics slash Final Fantasy 6 or 7 would be, like, a neat combo pack. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm going to cheat there. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you so much, guys, for all of your questions this week. And listeners, remember, go over to Patreon and uh, submit your topic, either on Patreon or Instagram. But, Mike, I think it's time for our favorite segment. What do you think? I think it's time for the mailbag. Mailbag! 
Bingo! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to leave us a review for our podcast, you can do so on any of the social media platforms of your choice or wherever you listen to us. I think I've heard that Spotify, you can't leave reviews, but I have done no further research. Just like Mike, who wrote into us today? Slightly aggravated wrote into us saying, Uh oh. Hey guys. Hi. I listened to several of your episodes on my road trip and thoroughly enjoyed them. I'm a GameCube collector and enthusiast, so it was all perfect. Keep spreading the gospel of GameCube. Nice. Well, Mr. and Mrs. Aggravated, I'm very glad that we could keep you company on your road trip. I'd like to know where you were going. Mike and I love going on road trips together. Usually we listen to music, though. I can't imagine listening to a podcast on a road trip. Maybe maybe Ag- Mr. Aggravated was alone, uh, which that's the perfect time to listen to podcasts. But do you ever listen to podcasts with someone else in the car, Mike? No, only if it's like a, like part of a comedy special or something. Mm. I, I, know, um, I know a friend of the show, Kirsten, listens to our podcast on the road because... It's nice to if it's like we're we're in the car with her, you know, and I, and I I I totally agree. I like listening to podcasts while I'm driving on a on a long road trip as well. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes that playlist gets a little stale. Sometimes that Spotify algorithm keeps playing me the same same Tiger's Jaw track over <laughs> and over again, and I'm so tired of it. Oh yeah. So I uh, I do like putting on some you know hour and a half long podcasts for the drives. I, I Spotify is so good at picking those same songs over and over again. But yeah, we're very happy to keep anybody company in their car ride. But Mike, let's keep doing that with episode 64 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on every major podcast service. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 311 games. Shout out to the band 311, by the way. <laughs> you can visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. That's me. That's him. Last week, we covered Yu-Gi-Oh, Beyblade, and a bunch of other anime games that kept us company while we were miserable in school. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are covering one of the most critically acclaimed racers of all time, one of the biggest Nintendo IPs of the 90s and 2000s. And the GameCube installment is celebrating its 18th birthday on August 25th. We are, of course, talking about F-Zero GX. We're also very close to the 31st anniversary of the franchise as a whole, uh, which came out on the SNES in September of 1990. So Captain Falcon himself is at least 31 years old now. Technically, in the series, I think he's like 36 or 37, but... Uh... He's had to destroy a lot of other ships to get that <laughs> title. Who do you think appointed him captain? Did, did they ever mention that in the lore? I'm pretty sure he appointed himself captain. That seems Probably. right. That makes but, sense. <laughs> but yeah, this uh, this game, this franchise, I think this means a lot to you and me, Neil. I remember playing mm-hmm. this quite a bit with you as a kid. I specifically remember learning about it, though. We had a friend who lived very close to you, Neil, and he was a little crazy, and he had a brother, really nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and his brother, uh, he showed us a lot of these games. I remember when we would go over, he would show us, you know, I think he was two or three years older than us. And mm-hmm. when you're a kid, like that's like an adult, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, <laughs> so, he, he had the world figured out at age 13. <laughs> absolutely. And I remember him showing us F-Zero and I was absolutely blown away by this game. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it because, you know, my only touchstone with racing games was like Lego Racers, Mario Kart, you know, mm-hmm. any of these kid games, uh, CTR as well, playing Crash Team Racing. Right. But I had never seen anything like F-Zero GX, and, and that completely kind of changed my perspective on on gaming in general. That like that was like the, the mature yeah. uh, coming out, I guess. I was like, whoa, like this is what games can be? 
Yeah. No, specifically, I remember at the house being shown F-Zero GX and Metroid Prime, two of yeah. the hardest-hitting graphically hardest-hitting graphical games on the Nintendo GameCube. So really good library of games at that house. Really fortunate to live so close to someone who's a bit older who can show us the way, as it were, since we weren't <laughs> quite old enough yet to like even afford our own games. Like I didn't even have money at this time to even rent games without asking my parents. So yeah. we were still trapped in that kind of childhood era of having to ask parents for games or renting games. So to have a slightly older neighbor uh, or brother of a friend in your neighborhood to show us these games was great. And that that's totally true. I never thought of it that way. That up until this point, I was only really exposed to Mario Kart 64 and Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah, and and those are very they're very kiddish for the most part. Diddy Kong Racing is slightly more complex of a racing game, but not by much. Mario Kart is highly accessible to kids. This game is not accessible to kids at all. It's, it's not accessible it's, to adults. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredibly punishing. It's very hard even to this day. And I consider myself a pretty decent gamer. Like I've been playing GameCube now for 20 years for the most part. And I, I can barely get past level five in this game. We're going to talk a lot more about the difficulty in a little bit. But I can definitely see why this game holds up uh, as being the best racing game of all time. Mm -hmm. I did not know... Up until this point, being F-Zero GX, I didn't really know about this franchise at all. I actually grew up playing more of a clone of F-Zero on the N64, which is Star Wars Pod Racer. Right, which, yes. Which is a, which I think you played with me at my house, probably, because I adored that game. I played that for hours as a kid. I did, and I hated it because I, <laughs> I didn't know how to win. <laughs> yeah. I was so bad with that controller, and you obviously had played hours and hours, and this was when we were very little. I do remember this, but uh, sure. I just remember being frustrated. Maybe that's why I hate the N64 and y'all. Maybe. That could have been that. It could have been because of that game. It's a difficult game, and I didn't know it was a clone of F-Zero since I didn't yeah. have the uh, Super Nintendo version. I didn't have the N64 version, and we hadn't played the GameCube version yet at our friend's house. Also, several iterations of this game uh, on Game Boy Advance, which is interesting. Um, but this is an interesting game, Mike, where it sold 1.5 million copies, and this is one of the few games where I can imagine that the fan base, the majority of this fan base has to suck at this game. Yeah, that is very true. There's no way that tens of thousands of people at this point, I mean, the fan base isn't huge for F-Zero, but there's no way that even, let's say, 100,000 people really love this game. I can't imagine that more than 50% of those people are great at F-Zero. It's a punishing, extremely difficult game that mm -hmm. is uh, has a huge barrier to entry in terms of its difficulty. And I, I know that that might sound like an exaggeration, but honestly, play it today, mm -hmm. and it is extremely hard. And I think it's just because we've been nice so much by racing games in the past but we don't really have these extreme speed racers anymore like it was a franchise that was relatively big in the late 90s in the early 2000s we had the extreme g series we had tube slider there was mm -hmm. a whole bunch of these games that were coming out at the time all trying to kind of go off of f-zero's success and they went away basically the same time that extreme sport games went away it was this yeah. it was kind of that same era of like 97 to 2003 yeah, no, completely. It was a very short-lived era, unfortunately. This was the last game in the uh, F-Zero home console uh, series, which is such a shame. So F-Zero GX was released on August 25th, 2003. It's developed by Amusement Vision, which is a developer owned by Sega. It's published by Nintendo. It's a GameCube exclusive, rates 9 out of 10. Most sites will also give it a 10 out of 10, so it's probably in the mid-9s, honestly. Today, it's priced at around $100 if you wanted to pick it up used. Uh, it sold approximately 1.5 million copies, making it the 19th best-selling uh, GameCube game of all time. 
And uh, it's the best futuristic racing game on the GameCube, without a shadow of a doubt, and it's what some call the best futuristic racer of all time. By futuristic racer, we mean that this game takes place far in the future. Uh, I think it's still planet Earth, but I, I can't remember now what planet they're supposed to be on. But basically, you're racing in these spaceships that are going thousands of miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. And these they're kind of hovercrafts almost. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it definitely was a, um, a trope for a while there in the early 2000s. And, you know, even in if we talk about its beginnings, uh, the SNES version, uh, mm-hmm. I have played that quite a bit, actually. And we talk a lot about how Mario Kart SNES and Mario Kart like today or even Double Dash are worlds apart. Like playing Mar- the original Mario Kart is it's almost unplayable today. And it's you're not going to enjoy your time playing it. However, the original F-Zero is still a fun game to play on this NES. It is. It is. And I didn't pick up that game until way later. Me too. Interesting, interesting story. I don't know if I've told this on the podcast before, but in my mid-college career, I was really getting into looking for retro video games again. And there's a thrift store in the Toronto area. I'm not sure if they're all over Canada, but they're called Value Village. And I, I got really into thrifting when I was about 20 to 22 years old. And I used to go to this store all the time with my friends. Like you, Mike, you came with me a few times. I went with my mom. Mm-hmm. We lo- we loved mainly looking for like books and CDs and, and random stuff around the store. But one How many day, Matchbox 20 CDs could we find? Oh my God. Every time you see a Matchbox 20 or Bare, or Bare Naked Ladies Gordon was yes. always on the shelf. <laughs> Those two albums. I found a few sweet CDs over the years, which are now <laughs> worthless. But anyway... One day I went to this uh, Value Village not far from my house and I guess that sometimes the the employees don't know what things are worth because they just they just stick a price tag on them and then put them on the shelf and that's mm-hmm. it but I just happened to be there at the right time where I found I found F0, I found Donkey Kong Country 2 and 3, Mario Paint, Super Mario World and was there one more in there? I can't, Mario Paint came with the mouse as well. Oh my there might have been there might have been one more game in there but they were each priced at about 8 bucks. <laughs> wow. So I so I walked out of the Value Village that night with about forty dollars. Spent about forty dollars on these games, and I could probably easily get two to three hundred dollars for all of these games now. And I knew that they were worth that much then. So that was probably one of the greatest hauls I ever got from that store. I was gonna say that's like ten times the amount of what that's actually worth. Yeah, or like exactly. What it could be worth, yeah. I haven't priced out the SNES copies of these games uh, in a long time, so I'm not I'm not sure where that market is. But that was how I picked up uh, the first F Zero game on Super Nintendo, which sold 2.8 million copies. By the way, so it actually sold wow. twice as well as the one on GameCube, which is nuts. And F Zero, you know, we 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 can talk briefly, kind of about the history of F Zero. One mm-hmm. of the big reasons for it existing was Sega, which is kind of funny that it's going to go back to Sega at the end here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was a, um, having F-Zero on uh, the, the SNES was to show off the, the console's power. And actually, F-Zero, it's, all its iterations, F-Zero X and F-Zero GX, were always created for the point of showing off what a console could do at the time. And I I thought that was pretty interesting that this is basically a tech demo, but racing. Like that was the initial idea of FF-Zero. I always wondered, like, why did it stop? We've now had the Wii, the Wii U, and the Switch, and not a single sign of F-Zero anywhere. It's it's been in things. Just tumbleweeds. Just tumbleweeds. Like Captain Falcon, for all intents and purposes, is a Smash Bros. fighter. (laughs) Yeah. Only. And (laughs) they did put F-Zero in that Nintendo Land game uh, on, on Wii U, which you and I played a little bit of, and we're not fans of. So it's just so sad that this franchise has gone from really being not a not a high seller, but just such a a big name in the Nintendo in Nintendo's library to nothing in like overnight. Basically, it was the biggest thing. But then when you look at the sales, 
you can see why they, they probably cut it. It's honestly like looking at it, I get major vibes of like Metroid. Um, mm-hmm. Like we have 2.8 million on the SNES, 1.1 million on the N64, then 1.5 on the GameCube, which, you know, a game not cracking 2 million is not great. And then they also had a couple of GBA games, uh, Game Boy Advance games, specifically F-Zero Maximum Velocity, which sold 1 million units. And then GP Legend sold 100,000 units. That one doesn't have Captain Falcon. I remember that. No, it's a, it's not a spinoff. That one actually looks very interesting. The cover is more like an anime than yeah. the F-Zero kind of very futuristic, very um, neo-punk artwork on it. This one's more of like an anime style. So I don't know much about that game at all. And then there was F-Zero Climax, which is which was a Japanese exclusive, which only sold 50,000 copies. There's also F-Zero AX, which is in the arcades only, which I wish we got a port of that because that is a great game. I'm not sure if you've played that game in the arcade, Neil. No, I haven't, but I did a ton of research on it today just before the show because I wanted to find out more about it. It was kind of like a companion game that came out alongside GX where, uh, listeners, if you don't know, there was an arcade version of F-Zero GX, which came out in the arcades, obviously, in North America, Japan, and I believe Europe. And the, the, the two games kind of spoke to each other where you could bring your uh, you could bring your memory card in from your GameCube, bring it into the arcade cabinet, and use that memory card to unlock uh, tracks and characters and courses in your GX yeah. game when you take it home, which is wild. Like, it's such a weird thing to have done. Really cool. Really cool. I don't know of any game that has also done that. Um, I, and I, I remember playing that at, cause I believe Palladium in, in, uh, in Toronto here had, had F-Zero AX and some other okay. arcades, I believe in Niagara, uh, Niagara Falls having lots of arcades down there. I remember playing F-Zero AX for hours because, you know, you go into an arcade and you, you see things and you're like, oh, this is fun. This is fun. But then you see a game that, you know, cause I, yeah. I think I probably was there in, you know, when I was like 13 or so, I, I had played F-Zero before. I see F-Zero AX and I was like, oh, hey, I know how to play this game. Let's go. Let's do it. It's very cool. It's slightly less than what F-Zero GX includes. There's six courses in F-Zero AX. There's 14 racers, including, of course, Captain Falcon, uh, Pico, Dr. Stewart, and Samurai Goro. Uh, sidebar, by the way, since there's hmm. only one F-Zero character in Smash, if they could add another one, I'd love to see Pico come in. He's the green guy. Yeah, yeah. He looks he looks so cool and super intimidating. I'd love to see him in Smash Bros, but that's never going to happen. I, I'm a big big fan of Doctor Stewart. He's got the golden fox. He's all gold as well. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I've uh, that that was actually who I always picked um, because someone would usually pick Falcon before me. <laughs> so so I, I always like being golden fox or uh, Doctor Stewart. Nice, nice. I was usually Captain Falcon. I was just a uh, I was just the basic you know what of the F Zero game. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you knew this about the arcade game, though, that there's actually three different types of cabinets. There's the standard, the deluxe, and the monster ride. Oh. The standard is like your regular run-of-the-mill sit-down model, uh, like like kind of like what you get when you go into an arcade and you have the wheel and that that's it. And then there's the deluxe version, which is shaped like Captain Falcon's vehicle. So you get a little bit more immersive with, with the, the actual... Uh, Captain Falcon ship, the Blue Falcon. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one, the Monster Rider, which utilizes a machine called Psycraft, which was developed cooperatively between Sega and Simuline. Uh, and the machine makes use of three servo motors for movement, so the ship actually gets kind of bounced around as Whoa. you move. I want to go on that. Ultimate Rumble. Ultimate <laughs> Rumble experience. There was actually a version of the uh, Pod Racer game in arcades as well, which is, again, very similar to uh, to F Zero, which hmm. is which is funny. But I don't know when this article was published. But last they last they checked, there were less than twenty confirmed available North American copies of F Zero GX in circulation still. 
the arcade cabinets. So it's incredibly hard to find one today. Damn. <laughs> I find it incredibly ironic that it's incredibly hard to find an incredibly hard game. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk more about GX, the GameCube version. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. So this game uh, is obviously an extremely, extremely fast futuristic racer. It has, I think it's 30 characters that you, well, I guess you start with four characters, but you can unlock 26 characters. Mm-hmm. There is a story mode in this game, which I thought was pretty interesting. This is probably where the game takes the worst turn, I would say. Uh, it's still a fantastic game, don't get me wrong, but this is probably where they, they missed it. Mm. Because really, if you want to enjoy this game the most, you play the Grand Prix, you try and unlock things. That's that's kind of how racing games often go to. Mm. Uh, so the story was a little strange, and although I will say the animation looks amazing in those cutscenes. They just mm-hmm. don't make any sense. That's the problem. <laughs> no, yeah, the campaign is nine missions. It's strung together with very strange cutscenes that are short. The voice acting is a little bit awkward. You did say it though, they are beautiful. The cutscenes in this game are incredibly well detailed. Probably the best cutscenes of any GameCube game that I can think of. One of the best ones, and it's, you know, this is 2003. This is still relatively mm-hmm. early. We've talked about some games that are in 2005. 2006 that do have fantastic graphics mm-hmm. but it is a little unfair to compare those to the uh to f-zero a game that came out in 2003 mm-hmm. and the, the campaign doesn't make a ton of sense like first thing you're kind <laughs> no. of doing a practice course where you're collecting these orbs then the next one you're racing this guy in a grand canyon and then the next one you're racing in like a city and then the next one you're back in like a a canyon area it's just very or a city another big city it's just very disjointed and the cutscenes don't string it together very well you and i were actually talking offline about what might make this game a little bit better would be to have slightly more of like a a hub like city mm-hmm. to go to like to be able to drive around and to drive to different areas to sort of string the uh to string the missions together a little better because yeah. it is it is kind of weird like you 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 finish a race you earn tickets and then you have to go to the store to buy the next level it's so dumb that's like one of the worst parts about this game is the fact that you don't really and it doesn't tell you it doesn't tell you that at all so no. you're kind of left in the dark of how to actually continue on the story and continue on the campaign yeah, I felt really dumb just playing this game a couple weeks ago again for the first time in forever, and I, I wanted to start it again because, truth be told, I've never beaten this game. <laughs> Neither have I. <laughs> no. So I wanted to start at level one, and I beat level one on normal mode, which is also incredibly hard, by the way. And I beat it, and I got my 15 tickets or whatever I won, and then mission two didn't open up. Uh, so I I, th- I thought, oh, maybe, maybe I'm supposed to play the level on hard now. So I, I tried that. I couldn't even beat level one on hard, by the way. <laughs> And I thought, like, this can't be how hard this game... I know this game is hard, but this can't be it. Like, so I went online, I checked, like, a Reddit thread or whatever, and someone said, oh, yeah, you know, you have to go to shop, and then you have to go to items, which is really strange. And then you buy, instead of an item, you buy level two, basically. And then you play level two on normal, go out, buy level three on normal, beat that after a few nights of playing the game. And that that's how the story's progressed, which is not... Even in 2003, that's not how games were, were being constructed. No, no, it's very disjointed and it really doesn't make sense. And no. that's kind of that's kind of what the the entire campaign is. It just feels this very disjointed uh, and non cohesive uh, idea of what to do. Like you said, Neil, having a hub or or something you can go to to kind of like understand what's going on around you and understand how these cutscenes fit in with the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Or even just the game itself, because I, I, I'm not asking for an open world game or anything. You know, no, I, I, I understand this is 2003, and nor do I want an open world game uh, for racing. But just give me, give me something. You know, just allow me to like just drive a little bit to yeah. go to the next area, or even allow me to have a bit of a practice mode within that that world. Because that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. There is a practice mode in the game. 
that you can boot up by hitting the main menu. Right. But how cool would it be if you could just practice on some of these tracks while you're able to still continue the campaign yeah. at the same time? I think that would be kind of cool. I think that would be a great way to bring F-Zero into the 21st century. Like, uh, we, yeah. a lot of Nintendo fans have been asking Nintendo uh, in various ways, where's the next F-Zero? Why has it been so long between F-Zero games? And the response for a little while was always that they didn't really know what to do with the franchise anymore. Like, they felt like they had done all they could do. They felt like F-Zero GX was the peak and that they could never do better. I personally hate that answer. I think that yeah. that's completely dumb. Uh, I think that many of their franchises have peaked more than once. Like, I think Zelda has peaked more than once. Mario has peaked more than once. Pokemon, Kirby, like everyone. All of these franchises have have had a great game. Like, imagine if they gave up Zelda after Ocarina of Time, which they they could have given up Zelda after the first game, honestly. It's, yeah, it's such a stupid answer. And it goes against, like, everything that Nintendo claims that they stand for uh mm-hmm. with because they are like that's what they're supposed to be they're supposed to be an in- innovation company not a gaming company it's like well here's the franchise that that is beloved you've done great innovation on before why don't you mm-hmm. continue it in some way but i know we will get to our the, the faults and how we can correct them uh, later on in the episode once uh, sure. we ask each other where we see the, this franchise going yeah that sounds good let's save that talk towards the end but I'm going to bring it back, Mike, to what you said about the game, that the campaign is not where the game actually shines. It's more with the multiplayer. And I think you're right about that. The the Mm. multiplayer Grand Prix, just racing on a giant track with a friend or with no friends at all, you can play against all the other racers, is a ton of fun. It's the perfect futuristic racing game. And the way I mean that is that there's no weapons in it which I don't love in other futuristic racing games. Like a lot of people always compare F-Zero to Wipeout, which is kind of like the PlayStation or Sony's answer to F-Zero. They created Mm -hmm. another racing game, a lot like F-Zero. It's called Wipeout. There's actually, I think there's probably more of those games now than F-Zero. And I've played the PSP one and I've seen gameplay of like the PS2 one, I think, and the PS3 one. And they look good, like they look fine. But then when I go to play them, it's not F-Zero. It feels a little bit more floaty. Like the carts don't yeah. feel quite as heavy. And then there's these random weapons thrown in as well, which I hate. Like I don't want to be on a, on a stroke. I don't want to be on a streak of going 150 miles an hour. And then I get hit with like a laser beam or something. It, it's not fun. So I think you can probably take the weapons out of those games. But it's just something about the handling of F-Zero that just felt so perfect. So smooth. So smooth. And about this game as well is that you can also adjust the handling and the acceleration of the cart before you start the the game, which we talked a little bit about in Double Dash, how you had the option to kind of change the carts to adjust your, your speed and your handling and your steering and everything else. But there was nothing really like this, where you kind of had this graph that you could toggle to pick higher acceleration or higher, uh, what was it? Higher speed or higher acceleration, I think. Yeah. Max speed and acceleration you could adjust if you wanted to, which was pretty ahead of its time. Yeah, and and another thing too, the, the fact that they could actually do that between races as well. So if you're playing the Grand Prix, every time that you're done a race, you actually are able to go back to that car- not character select, but the car select screen mm-hmm. and change your settings right there, which I thought was pretty cool because usually in games like that, you are locked in once you yeah. click a Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. And it was actually a huge part of the game strategy as well. Uh, yeah. Like there, there's this... Um... There's this strategy known as snaking in F-Zero, which is when I believe it's when you turn your ship's acceleration to full capacity. And then when you start the race, you start to sort of drift from side to side while going at max speed and your cart will hit higher speeds than it would to otherwise, which actually kind of not Mm. breaks the game. But it it reminds me a lot of Melee, how 
really good players at F-Zero can almost break the game to go insanely fast through the courses. And listeners, if you haven't checked out F-Zero GX, like speedruns on YouTube, oh. <laughs> it's mind-blowing what some of these players can do going insanely fast. I mean, I'm an old-school player, so I'm just going to play the game as it's meant to be played. I'm just going to burst through the course as fast as I can while bumping into every single wall. <laughs> um, but watching like competent players play this game is quite a treat. It's crazy. Yeah, I was watching a lot to get ready for this episode, obviously playing it myself. And yeah, watching some of these people speed run through the missions because the missions are crazy, crazy hard. So when they're able to do it on hard, do it so fast, I'm like, oh my God, this is nuts. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild. And like you try and replicate it and there's no way. Like no, I don't know how no. <laughs> I don't know how you learn how to do this, but hours and hours of playing this game and uh more power to them because it's a it's a terrific game. Was there anything missing from the game, Mike, that you would have liked to have seen in F Zero GX? We've talked about a few of the things that we love about the um about the multiplayer and all the ships and characters in there. One thing that I can think of that was missing just to get the conversation going here is there's no track editor, which I would have loved a course creation mode. Yeah, you know, that's a great point actually, because they do have a customization option for some of the, the, the cars uh, in mm-hmm. or some of the vehicles in the game. And it kind of sucks. It's actually really, really crappy to use and it's not intuitive at all. So, mm-hmm. so I was going to say the same thing, Neil. I wish they had a better customization feature. Mm-hmm. I think of, of a game like Tony Hawk's Underground, which is just completely customizable in every way. And they mm-hmm. did it in such a cool way too that it is very intuitive for the user to use. I would have loved it in here. I think if if they had a custom, uh, an ability to create some custom courses in F Zero, you could make some really cool stuff. And I think this game would be actually even more relevant than it is today because you would see still, uh, people trying to you know speed run these crazy uh, crazy courses that other people have made. Yeah, it, it it's just another idea that would would bring F Zero into the twenty first century. Yeah, into the twenty first century so much more seamlessly. What's crazy is that you compared that to, or you you liken that to Tony Hawk's Underground, but F Zero X on N sixty four, the sixty four DD, so an expansion which was mm-hmm. a j- Japanese release only, had a track editor in it. So the version just before F Zero GX had a track editor. And then even one of the Game Boy Advance versions, I think it was GP Legends, had a track editor as well. So they've had it in two or three of the mainline games, but not the greatest one of all time, F-Zero GX, which is such a shame. I feel like they missed the boat on that one. Huh, that's that's really interesting. And yeah, mm. I don't know, why why wouldn't you bring it back to GX if you've already made it for X on, uh, on the 64DD? Doesn't make I sense, Neil. I don't know why they would take that away. I feel like you would just want to keep that and then make it pretty like i feel like that's all you need to do with f-zero uh is just make it again and make it pretty although i guess the developers so the developer for f-zero x was not the same because it's it's sega mm-hmm. who's doing um well I, it's amusement vision but really it's mm-hmm. sega who's yep. uh developing it for the uh for the gamecube but they didn't do it for the n64 correct no, they didn't. Uh, this was a, a new partnership with Nintendo. Uh, what happened was Nintendo saw the work that Amusement Vision was doing on Super Monkey Ball, uh, which opened up a bit of a collaboration between the two companies. We've talked a ton about how much Sega and Nintendo seem to be getting along in this generation. So they decided to give uh, one of their franchises, F-Zero, to, to Sega and see what they can do. Mm. And uh, and what came out of it was, was a masterpiece. I, I don't know... This is obviously my favorite Sega game of all time, if that didn't come through. Uh, I can't think of a, a better Sega game off the top of my head. I'm obviously not a huge Sonic fan, and I, I haven't played many of the other ones, but I, I can't think of a game that comes even close to, to this one. Yeah, and the funny thing is, Neil, is that that you know, the Amusement Vision actually used an enhanced version of the Super Monkey Ball engine 
hmm. to create uh, F-Zero wow. GX, which makes sense when you think about it. It looks like a technical masterpiece. That that Super Monkey Ball was as well. Like Super Monkey Ball is one of the best console launch games of all time. Just how technically amazing it is, and yeah. the ball physics, and and this game does carry over. This game does. It's not. A, it doesn't feel like Monkey Ball, but this game does feel like a game that Sega did with a ton of care. And Nintendo were obviously in the development room all the time with this game. They didn't just give it to Sega and say, "We'll see you in ten months." <laughs> yeah. uh, like Shigeru Miyamoto was still the producer and supervisor, so I'm sure that he had a ton of things to say about their development on it. But still, it was a match made in heaven in this game, and I don't know why they can't do it again. Let's keep on rolling here because. All right, we partner. got some more memories. <laughs> we got some more Limp Biscuit. Why, why, why didn't Limp Biscuit do the soundtrack? I don't know. That's actually something that I want to talk to you about, Mike, before we close out this episode is the soundtrack of F-Zero GX. It was not, unfortunately, a Limp Biscuit collaboration, which was a huge miss in my opinion. But the soundtrack <laughs> is one of the things about this game that I wouldn't touch at all. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I don't yes. think that any other racing game captures the mood of a racing game quite like F-Zero GX. It, the music was made by Hidenori, Shoji, Dekai, Kasho, and Alan Bray. They composed the soundtrack for GX and its arcade counterpart. So, And the soundtrack was released uh, actually physically on July 22nd, 2004 in Japan uh, by Skytron Digital Content. Do you know that one, Mike? I do not. I do not. Hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I would love to try and track that one down, though. If we ever go to Japan, we should try and find the F-Zero GX on vinyl. Oh my god, I would love that. Because <laughs> yeah, you're right. The The soundtrack is actually really, really good, which is something to be said about a lot of these early 2000s, you know, almost like trying to go this electronic, techno, futuristic style, verging mm -hmm. on new metal for a lot of these. And most of these do not hit today at all. They, they sound honestly awful. And a lot of them have terrible compression. Yeah. Where you just hear it on, you know, through your speakers on your CRT and you're like, oh my God, this sounds terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, and even worse now, if you have surround sound listening to these, because they were not mastered for that. But this game, as well as we talked about Soul Calibur having an amazing sound, this game also has great, great sound. Great sound. With, uh, and it matches the visuals so incredibly yeah. well. Like I was closing my eyes just for a second, listening to the music. And a lot of the games that you mentioned before that have very generic, like they call it butt rock, but like have very generic <laughs> rock music or beats. You could be like, okay, I could be racing a truck. I could be riding a motorcycle. I could be doing stunts somewhere. But like you close your eyes playing F-Zero GX, you know, you're probably in the future. You know, you're probably racing a thousand miles an hour. Like you can almost picture exactly what you're doing with the music, which is an incredible feat for a video game to do and a movie or a TV show. Uh, the music just matches the theme of the game perfectly well. It does. Uh, and it, it was a little weird to actually get like vocals on some of those yeah. tracks, like the Captain Falcon track specifically, yeah. but um, it's okay. It, it's, I prefer it without the vocals to be oh, honest. Yeah. I, I don't Me think too. you need vocals in really any video game soundtracks. No, absolutely not. Those are mainly in the cutscenes. I think when you're doing the Grand Prix, it's it's just the futuristic, you know, techno music, which is perfect. That's if you never play the campaign, you probably never actually hear any of the songs with lyrics, which are just no. kind of awkward. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they are a little awkward in that sense. But uh, Neil, I think it's fun fact time. It's time for me to just spit out a whole bunch of trivia and fun facts that I found while researching and while playing this game. Okay, sounds good. I too have a couple of fun facts, but I'm assuming that you probably covered all the bases. So hit us with some fun facts, Mike. Well, Neil, I, I was actually curious of what the GX stood for in F-Zero GX, because I, you know, I, I wanted to know what, what does this stand for? Did, did you find this out, Neil? No, I'm surprised I didn't look that up. What does it stand for? It technically stands for GameCube Experience. Really? 
Yes, because the AX was arcade experience. Oh, that's interesting. So I guess the X in N64 is just F-Zero experience. No, that stood for F-Zero Extreme, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then GP Legends would be Grand Prix Legend, I'm guessing, on yep. Game Boy Advance. It's pretty crazy how F-Zero stuck with so many uh, initials for a lot of their titles. Uh, and I, I do know that F-Zero was heavily influenced by a movie that we could talk about in a second, but it was also influenced by an F1 racing game on the, on the Famicom. So does that mean that the F in F-Zero stands for Formula Zero? Yeah, I think it does, which is yeah. kind of cool. Is this is this like pre-Formula One? You know, it's Formula Zero. But it's, but it's in the future, so this doesn't make any sense anymore. That We're going backwards in Formula, which is... which is. You know, we've, we've established the timeline is messy here. We're in 2003, mm. we're recording an episode yeah. for 2021. It's all, it's all a mess. That's true. I'm not wearing a shirt. <laughs> F-Zero is gambling. Who knows what's up anymore? Mike, what's your next fun fact? Well, you mentioned it already that F-Zero was inspired by a very famous 1989 movie, and that was Batman. Batman 1989, uh, one of the devs for F-Zero actually saw this film uh, in 1989, Tim Burton's Batman with uh, our, the great Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. and said, hey, this looks cool. We should do something like this. Obviously, this the, this kind of style was already in the works, but a lot of the design of the cars, uh, specifically Blue Falcon as well, were inspired by the Batmobile, which is kind of cool. You can definitely see that. The 89 Batman had a very cool uh, Batwing scene where you know he's driving around or flying around in his, his Batwing, which is neat. Uh, so you can see the comparison there. Also, the eyes on Captain Falcon always reminded me of like Batman with the black strip and the white eye slits. Very, very yeah. Batman-esque, as well as some characters, too, look a lot like the Dark Knight. Yeah, they, they do. For, for, for me, I always got the feeling of kind of Judge Dredd vibes yes. from Captain Falcon, you know? Definitely. His, he, his costume definitely looks like Judge Dredd in terms of the helmet, and he seems to be kind of a mercenary slash um, a bounty hunter, mm-hmm. which is kind of what Judge Dredd is yeah. in, in a sense too. So I, I like to think that they got some inspiration from him as well when they were creating the character of Captain Falcon. I looked around, Reddit was unable to help me on that one, so I'm very disappointed, but... Uh, but Reddit was able to help me on some other stuff, though, which is the fact that Captain Falcon was actually supposed to be the flagship character of this nest. Did you know this? I guess it was a launch game for the Super Nintendo. We're very close. Launch window. Mm-hmm. I don't know the exact games that came out. I think now that you mention it, it was a launch game. That's interesting. Yeah, and, and, and I think people forget that, you know, there was a time before Mario, before Zelda, were like the, the flagship characters mm-hmm. of Nintendo as a company. Because Nintendo, if you think back to those ads that Nintendo had in the 90s, and even for the GameCube era, Mario and Zelda aren't usually included very much. It's it's mm-hmm. attempting to push their other games, their other characters. Nintendo was always about, you know, trying new things, being innovative, and they didn't mm-hmm. want to stick to Mario and Zelda uh, that much. Whoops. They were also... They, they were, <laughs> <laughs> they, what a concept. They were also sticking to a lot of games that featured the FX chip on the Super Nintendo, which I won't get too much into the technicality of it, but it was games that sort of tricked you into thinking you were playing a 3D game. Specifically, I think of F-Zero, I think of yep. Star Fox, and I think of Donkey Kong Country, the three Donkey Kong Country games. Those were like three franchises that I heavily associate with Super Nintendo almost as much, if not more, than Mario World and Link to the Past. That's the thing, right? And it's it's interesting when you think of it in that sense, but it's but it's true. They uh, Nintendo was attempting to get some new franchises, attempting to create new IPs. This is 1990. Mario has only been out on his own for f- five years now, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, around the same time with, with Link and Zelda. It's... 
Mm-hmm. Uh, these franchises, you know, they don't look like they're going to be long-term franchises or anything, nor were they really trying to. They were just trying to make new games for them. Um, right. And Falcon was just another one in the long line of relatively successful games to come out. And one would assume that Captain Falcon was going to be there for a long time. I, I, the only thing I can think of is why he didn't become the actual flagship character was just because of the sales, I guess, c- yeah. uh, compared to Zelda and and Mario only selling two million to to. Uh, I, I mean, I think Mario was selling tens of million at uh, at this point. It's hard to tell because it was a pack in, so the sales yeah. numbers are skewed a little bit. And yeah, the easiest answer, unfortunately, for a lot of reasons why video games don't get made, is because sales dwindled. And yeah. it's just the easiest answer. It's the most boring answer, but it is why these these games don't get made anymore. That's why it's actually incredible that we're getting a Metroid game this year and potentially another one in the next two years. Mike, I have a I have a fun fact that I can uh, I can bounce off you. Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. All right. Cool. So I mentioned before, Star Fox reminds me a lot of the Super Nintendo due to the FX chip. Well, there is a Star Fox reference in F-Zero GX. There's a character by the name of James McCloud who looks an awful lot like Star Fox. And that's actually the name of Star Fox's dad. And they even say in the lore of F-Zero GX that uh, James McCloud was the leader of a flight squad known as Galaxy Dog, and he converted his ship into a racer. So that's a clear, oh, wow. that's a, that's a clear relation to a Star Fox reference. That's really cool. I did not know that. Yeah, and if you look at the character, he looks exactly like Fox if he was a human. He does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it always took me a, a while to unlock him, so... <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes a long time to unlock everything in this game. Like you said, there's four characters immediately unlocked, and you have 30 to unlock total, and that's a pain in the butt. That was one thing that I think was one of the downsides to F-Zero, honestly, was having so many individual characters to unlock. And, you know... Mm-hmm. It's it's one thing when it's a Smash uh, a game, when it's a Mario Kart, where there's yeah. these characters that you know very yeah. well. They're established characters in the in the franchise, in, in not nece- not just the franchise, but also in just Nintendo's lore and their world. When it's mm-hmm. a ton of new characters that you've never seen before, you know we talked about this a lot with Wave Race. We talked about this with Teen Eighty Avalanche. It's uh, it's incredibly difficult to get someone hooked on those characters and interested in unlocking them and progressing when you don't even have any attachment to them. I completely agree. The F-Zero franchise is not based on characters. I think that they thought that people maybe cared a little too much about these characters and these ships. Everyone always talks about Captain Falcon and his ship, the Blue Falcon, but like no one talks about the other characters even remotely as much. We watched an interesting video to prepare for this episode. Uh, I think it's called The History of F-Zero, which is a really good video on YouTube. It's like 38 minutes long. It's very in-depth. So if you want to sit down and watch that, uh, I highly recommend it. But the narrator says F-Zero GX would be nothing without the games that came before it. I I actually disagree with that. I think F-Zero GX would be still a masterpiece, even without the three or four games that came before it, because no one knew these characters because of their history. They just loved F-Zero GX because it's a great game. I think F-Zero GX stands alone. Even if this was the only game in the F-Zero franchise, I think it would still be an incredible game. I don't think it necessarily needed the games before it. I mean, it helps, obviously, that they tried it on SNES and then N64, um, but but this game would still be considered one of the best games on GameCube, even without the games before it. It didn't need those games to lead up to this. No, uh, I yeah, I 100% agree on that one uh, and disagree with the video I guess in that sense. Yeah. I, and I mean by and I mean by character development too. I don't mean by gameplay mechanics and figuring out how the game works. I I specifically just mean with characters. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Mm-hmm. And with Captain Falcon, of course, he is really more known f- from Smash than he is 
from F-Zero. Maybe one of the only characters that's tied closer to Smash than than his own franchise. I mm-hmm. think I could maybe say Ness is, is one of the uh, other few ones that you could say that people know from Smash rather than Earthbound. Yeah. But, uh, and additionally, he and Yoshi are actually the sole representatives in their franchises in all five games. They're the only ones that they're the sole ones. Sorry, what do you mean by that? So technically, Yoshi... I always didn't really like this because Yoshi is considered not part of the Mario universe. He's part of his own universe. What? Yeah, you know, because no. he's, cause his little icon is different. He has the egg instead of the M for the Super Mario universe. Oh, so if you're on. not counting Yoshi, then Falcon is the only sole representative of his, of his franchise in all five games. Wow. That's crazy. And that's why I said before, I would love to see Pico come up. If they could bring in another F-Zero, I'd love to have him have a little companion character. It's, yeah. It feels kind of weird. It feels very strange to have a character alone on that yeah. board. Because basically every single one, you know, even if you think of the original characters, you know, there's, you know, Mario has Luigi, uh, Kirby eventually gets DDD, mm-hmm. Jigglypuff obviously gets the entire Pokemon roster, same with Pikachu. And they gave <laughs> Samus Dark Samus and Ridley, like they've given a bunch to Metroid. I don't even yeah. want to get into Fire Emblem, how many characters are there now. Yeah. It's too bad. Yeah, That's crazy. And there's so many, uh, like we said before, there are 30 fighters in this game. Pick one and just give them Falcon's moveset, maybe a kick instead of a punch, like make it a me- make a meme out of somebody else for a change, you know? It would be nice uh, if someone else got memed. Uh, but another fun fact about, uh, about Falcon is that his voice actor in all five Smash games, Ryo Horikawa, uh, mm-hmm. is actually well known for providing the original Japanese voice of Vegeta in oh, wow. uh, the Dragon Ball media. Cool. That's awesome. I've never seen any Japanese. I've only seen the American dubbed Japanese. So I, I'm sure he sounds a lot different then. <laughs> yeah, I would. So so what I'm getting from that is that Vegeta and uh, Captain Falcon are the same person. Have you ever seen them in the in the same room together? I haven't. See, boom, done. That's how you solve that problem. <laughs> That's cool. Do you have any more fun facts for us there, Mike? No, I think. Uh, oh, I mean, I have a million different fun facts for everything, but I, I could go on. I just want to talk a, a little bit about the reviews that this game has and kind of where it stands in popular culture today so this game was on nintendo life's uh top 50 fan games that they they did a couple of uh, years back uh it it ranked the 19th best fan game for the gamecube and this is their little write-up for it here it says while debate still rages as to whether f-zero x or the sega developed gamecube sequel is better we can all agree that both games are rather special in their own right the story mode in the latter helps paint a picture of the f universe and those cutscenes featuring Captain Falcon and the gang sure add some pizzazz. The series also certainly never looked better than this GameCube entry. The breakneck speed and brutal difficulty might put some people off, but racing doesn't get much purer than this. And seeing as this was the last entry from the franchise to come to a home console, uh, depressing 18 years ago, this is still the hottest take on F-Zero going. Track it down. Hmm. That's that's a great review, and I don't think that this game is going to get worse with time. Like I think that this nope. is going to be one of those Nintendo games that keeps getting better as the years go on, especially better if they don't release another one. It's going to continue to grow in popularity and price too. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, it, it, it's rate it's priced at around a hundred dollars today. I paid forty for this game not too many years ago, so it's going mm-hmm. up fast. I, and you and I traded in this game years ago. I bought. I how dare you? Got it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I I got it probably for a birthday, Christmas, and 
you know, as a kid, you trade in games and you get the next game that's available. And of course, I did that with this one. And you were nice enough, Neil, to buy me this mm-hmm. game once again for my birthday a couple of years ago. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Had to make sure you had it. Had to make sure you have it. That, that's the only thing I know what to get you for Christmas and your birthday. <laughs> I just get you GameCube games every year. It's just the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> You'll never go wrong. No. And speaking of other GameCube games, uh, 1001 Video Games You Must Play Before You Die, mm. one of our favorite books. And of course, this game had to be in there because you have to play this game before you die, Neil. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, it'll kill you otherwise. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and the write-up for this is also good. Let me just read it here. Well, let me get the uh, the book out. How else were you going to read it if you didn't have the book? <laughs> <laughs> just memorize the whole I thing. Just thought, I was like, did you memorize it? What, what were you going to do? This is book ASMR, Neil. Okay. Oh, okay. Flip some pages. Yeah. How does that sound? That's good. That's good. We should bring back that that segment where we eat food. <laughs> but instead, we're, we're just using it. We're just yeah. opening up books. Guess what book this is. <laughs> if, if you go for a long time, it's like Order of the Phoenix or something. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Mike. How fast is too fast? F-Zero GX comes perilously close to answering that question. Even on easier settings, this game moves at ludicrous speed. Mastering this game is less about dexterity than about training your brain to process an onslaught of incoming information more quickly than evolution ever intended. Even with 30 racers on screen at one time, the frame rate is still locked at a crisp 60 frames per second, animating the chaos with liquid ease. Liquid ease, indeed. That's a great write-up. It sounds like, I mean, they're right on track with what Nintendo Life wrote. Uh, 60 frames a second locked in. We didn't even mention that. That was also technically practically impossible in 2003. Yep. <laughs> so, I, And I think that they did it as well on N64, which was even more impossible in the late 90s. So we've talked a lot about the difficulty of this game. And I actually wanted to do a little bit of research too on how this game ranks. I was trying to find like in terms of hardest games of all time, it doesn't rank in terms of the hardest games of all time. Usually racing games don't just because of the number of Dark Souls-like games that have come out, the Ninja sure. Gaiden games from back in the day. Older games have aged to become much harder over the over the, the contras. years. The Contras, yeah. Older games are just difficult because they were originally for arcades and, and developers wanted people to spend quarters. So instead, I looked up a list on ScreenRant.com and looked up the hardest Nintendo games of all time. I don't love this list, but it's not terrible. Uh, they, ran, they ranked F-Zero GX as the second hardest Nintendo game of all time. Not, I'm not quite sure who was playing these games. Number one was Super Mario Galaxy 2, <laughs> which I don't <laughs> think that game is hard. I think it just takes a long time to collect everything. Yeah. And, then, and then number three is Animal Crossing New Horizons. So the more I read this what? list, the less... <laughs> again, it's, it's hard to unlock everything thing in that it takes you probably 3,000 hours, but you can play the same level on F-Zero GX for a week and get nowhere, which yeah. th- that's hard. Well, let's uh, let's let's change that list then, Neil, and let's put F-Zero GX at the top of that list. Is there any other Nintendo games specifically on the GameCube that you can think of that would even come close to F-Zero's difficulty level? I was thinking this the other day. Me too. I was thinking a lot about that, and I think we should make that list, actually, of the top 10 hardest GameCube games. I think that would be a lot of fun to do. The first one that comes to mind for me is Melee. Like, that's the easiest one. To unlock everything in Melee is incredibly difficult. And That's true. Even a game like Double Dash, like a franchise that you think is easy, it's Mario Kart, like it's for kids, it's for babies, but like unlock Mirror Mode and Double Dash and tell me like, and tell me you still have all your hair at the end of that. Like (laughs) you're going to lose sleep trying to unlock Mirror Mode beating all 16 courses on the hardest difficulty. So it's true. Just those three games come to mind right off the bat. But what about you, Mike? Any difficult games that you can think of? 
Yeah, for me, Ikaruga is, is one mm. of the ones that comes to mind right away. Actually, when I was replaying this game, because I played Ikaruga before the Ikaruga uh, episode, so somewhat recently, when I played F-Zero GX again this week, I got huge Ikaruga vibes just because of the, the speed that things were coming at on the screen. I, I really hadn't seen that since uh, mm-hmm. since then. Uh, also thinking of Super Monkey Ball, of course, like we talked about. That's a quite a hard game. The, the Beautiful Joe franchise, also quite difficult to like oh, good one. move through. Uh, that uh, Playing Beautiful Joe 2 the other day, is a, it's a hard game, Neil. Hard game. Yeah, that that's a, those are great choices. And even like a game like Metroid Prime, like the final boss in Metroid Prime is incredibly yes. hard. And like the final boss as well, like in, in Mario, in Paper Mario is also very difficult. Now, the majority of the game is easy. That's the thing is like you can't just base a game on the last boss. I don't like doing that either because typically the final boss is supposed to be the hardest. I think F-Zero from start to finish is the hardest game on GameCube because it doesn't it doesn't even start easy. Like the first track is, it's challenging. You can get through it. But like the second course, it just, the, the difficulty spike is insane in this game. I think so too, Neil. I think so too. And listeners, if you have any other comments about that, if you think you know a game that's way harder that we haven't played yet, please message us, put in the comments, wherever wherever you can find us. <laughs> Let us know what you think is the hardest GameCube game. We're very interested. Yeah, we love hearing from you. So please send us a message on Instagram. Uh, you can find us. We are at the GameCube pod. Mike, I think it's time to start closing out the episode, though, with our uh, our final thoughts on F-Zero-GX. Yeah, the final act! First things first, do you recommend that listeners out there pick up F-Zero-GX on the GameCube? I think you got to. Uh, I know mm-hmm. it's $100 today. It's it's quite pricey. If you can find it for less, uh, then absolutely pick this game up. Whether you're a racing fan or not, it's, it's just an experience to play this game because there really are no other games like it. Uh, nowadays, we will talk about one game franchise that does exist uh, that is like it, but mm-hmm. there, there's nothing that that really encapsulates that world. And it, it is a bit of a time ca- capsule in a sense, too. It does feel very 2003 when you're playing it. Uh, these games, like we said, were really big in this time. This was really the last of of the extreme racers, as, as some people will call them, the extreme futuristic racers. So mm-hmm. I think it's just important to, to have this almost as, as a time capsule and to remember uh, that Captain Falcon was not always just a Smash character. <laughs> he wasn't always just a Smash character or a meme. Falcon Punch is, I don't think it's memed as often anymore, but it was when we were in high school. I guess I'm, I'm aging myself a little bit there. <laughs> but you're 100% correct. I think that this is a must-own GameCube game. I can't remember the top 10 GameCube games that I said that I loved when we first started this podcast. I think we did that in one of the first episodes. Uh, but if if not, this game is definitely in my top 10 now. So I highly recommend that listeners out there pick this game up, like you said, at a good price if you can. Uh, if you are looking for a similar experience on a current-gen console, on a current-gen Nintendo console, I highly recommend Fast Racing RMX on Switch. Yeah, Fast RMX is basically this game uh, mm-hmm. in every yeah. way. It even has the announcer from from mm-hmm. uh, F-Zero, so it definitely makes you feel like you're playing an F-Zero game. Mm-hmm. There's also a car that's called the Falcon, uh, <laughs> which is blue. So, I mean... If you happen to own a Wii U and not the Switch, you can also pick it up there. That's actually where I discovered the franchise was like everyone else was moving over to the PlayStation 4, um, and I was actually really into fast racing Neo on the Wii U. So I've actually... I've been supporting this these developers and this game i guess you'd call it a franchise now for about six years now it feels like i can't remember when the first one came out so if you're looking for an an experience similar to f-zero highly recommend that one it does have a color change uh mechanic to it similar to ikaruga where you have to change your color based on the 
the speed boost platform you're on to get more of a speed boost, which I actually enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it does change up the the formula a little bit from F0, which just going into talking about where we see F0 going forward, we talked about earlier in the episode that Nintendo has made the excuse that they don't make F0 games because they couldn't think of anything new to do with the franchise. They think that they peaked with F0 GX. Fast Racing RMX is a perfect is a perfect example for why I fully disagree with that because they took the F0 formula and then they just added this one simple thing of the color change boost and it made it reinvented the the series like to me yep. I you feel like you're playing an F0 game with just with this one slight change in mechanic which doesn't change the game too much and it updated the graphics which is what I mentioned that I'd love to see F0 it's in full HD it's fast no load screens the music is perfect the announcers are great there's no BS like there's no bad levels this is where I wanted to see F0 GX going forward and we haven't. Yeah, and we haven't. And the, the you know, I, I wish we could just get this marriage of fast RMX uh, and add in the the levels. You know, the the classic, the mute cities, the big blues, uh, and, and some uh, some of these other great levels. Because honestly, all the levels in the F Zero game uh, in F Zero GX are fantastic, mm-hmm. and they're really really well done. You know, again, props to Sega Amusement Vision. For, for creating these because they're absolutely incredible. Um, there's a one, I forget the level's name, uh, but it it's basically like a Dune level. It reminded me of the, the movie Dune mm. that will be coming out at maybe when we're, this goes live. I forget when Dune's coming out. I have but, no clue. <laughs> but there's a massive sandworm who goes over the, the track yeah. uh, mm-hmm. as you're going, I think, on the third lap. You know, stuff like that to add in these classic courses. Because you know, I even think of Mario Kart. Mario Kart 8 has the audacity to have yeah. uh, the uh, the blue falcon in it it has mute uh mute city it has big blue mm-hmm. it has these tracks from the game uh and you can even have the, the cat and falcon costume on your yeah. me so if you have that golden mushroom and you're going on the little speed boost tracks you're practically playing f-zero for a few seconds while playing mario kart 8 deluxe you it's are so, it's so <laughs> weird that they give that that franchise so much love in, in mario kart it almost felt like that was a test bed to see if f-zero is still popular and maybe they can check and see who's playing those courses but like mario kart 8 is one of the best-selling nintendo games of all time now so like i don't see why they wouldn't at least try it and it's you know that F Zero on the Switch would would sell it at least you know I know this is quite a bit but I think I firmly believe that it would sell at least five million copies on the Switch. It would sell more than all F Zero games combined. Which just to do a quick <laughs> math here, you got three on SNES, one on N sixty four, one on GBA, and then one on GameCube. So that's six million. Let's say six million copies. It would outsell that easily. Right, and it's. Yeah, it really makes me mad that that stupid excuse that Miyamoto uses for for this because mm-hmm. it's just contrary to to really what Nintendo has been doing for other franchises. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I I would love, I would love, love, love to see the story and the F universe, as Nintendo Life called it. Um, <laughs> to, I, I would love to see that explored a bit more because it mm-hmm. was explored in a in a pretty cool way here, but we just got these small snippets that were so disjointed that didn't work together that you know kind of made me want more really i have a theory as to why we haven't seen f-zero in so long mike and i think it has to do with motion controls okay i think that nintendo just is so adamant about putting even in the switch generation when we're now almost 10 years or more than 10 years what removed from the wii coming out 15 years i guess from the wii they still sneak in motion controls in some way to their first party games whether it be zelda pokemon mario kart mario party is a strictly motion control game which we hate you can't play that game with a pro controller which is just 
stupid. I think that they probably want to try and, and find a way to put motion controls into F-Zero. And that's why it's taken so long. I think that they probably did have some F-Zero games in the works for Wii, maybe even Wii U, who knows, with some sort of uh, motion control tech with the gyroscope and everything. Mm-hmm. But F-Zero is such a technical game and such a precise game where the controls need to be a hairline uh, hairline accuracy and you can't have that with motion controls because there's the delay uh it's not precise the technology is not there yet i don't know if it ever will be and i don't think that they want to release a game uh, a first party game that has no motion control uh technology in it like that's just an idea i don't know if it's true but i have a feeling that that might be a reason why f-zero has been so heavily delayed and maybe given up on i'm sure that's part of it to be honest i'm sure that's very much part of it Mm -hmm. but um just you know quick answer here yes or no neil do you think F-Zero will ever come back in a mainline way? Yeah, I do. I, th- I think we'll see another F-Zero game at some point. I don't think it's dead. Um, I, I mean, I know that it's been 18 years, which is nuts uh, to say that they're going to bring it back now, but I, I think it's going to come back. I'm, I'm guessing by your response, you think it's gone? I think it's gone. I mm. don't think... I think it's... And the reason I think it's gone is because the fact that Nintendo did allow for fast RMX to be made. The fact that this is mm. clearly like a, a ripoff of F-Zero... They're very happy for these kind of games to be made uh, and and them not to really have any part of it. Uh, just publish it on their console. Uh, mm. I think that's what will end up happening. Uh, I think we'll I think we'll see another fast RMX for sure, but yeah. uh, I don't see us seeing an F0 GX uh, remake or a new F0 game ever, honestly. And what's funny is that I like both of our answers because F or because fast RMX is that good that I would take those sequels, as well as an F-Zero sequel, I would w- welcome both with open arms to, to my Switch. So if I get either, I'm happy. So I like both of our answers. <laughs> very good. Very good. Mike, while I'm sitting around waiting for F-Zero to never come out, I'm going to read the back of the case for F-Zero GX. Sounds good. All right. Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading The Back of the Case. The future of racing. Race for glory in the Grand Prix Cups. Speed through an incredible storyline as Captain Falcon. Take on up to three friends. Build and customize your own machine. Challenge your time ghosts and much more. Steer through danger with the Logitech Speed Force steering wheel. Powered by Force Feedback Technology. Sold separately. The logic, there's a steering wheel you can buy for this? I just realized that, yeah. So what? I guess that they released... <laughs> well, I mean, Logitech was a huge peripheral company back in the yeah. 2000s, and they made a lot of racing game wheels. So, yeah, I haven't actually looked into that. We should uh, we should follow up and see what that's priced at on eBay. I didn't. I should try, check and see what that what that, what that that's worth now and uh, if there's many available, because I never played this game with a, with a wheel. I've always seen people no. play it just with your standard controller, which is the way to go. Well, well, while you look up the price for the Logitech Speed Force, uh, mm. I have a um, a great little subscription uh, thing here. For it's a powerful offer, actually. Oh. It says subscribe today uh, with Captain Falcon on it here, and he says and receive a free official F Zero GX Player's Guide. Uh, and then inside, we have Captain Falcon looking at me again, and he says Fast and Furious. Is that allowed? Nah. Uh. <laughs> Let's just ignore it. (laughs) Do you dream of being the supreme master of all Nintendo gaming? The pros at Nintendo Power will hand you the keys to victory. We Mm. feed your need for speed with inside tips, secret strategies, and sneak peeks at games that will make your friends green with envy. 
Our stash of hard-won secrets are yours for the taking in every issue of Nintendo Power. Subscribe today. Listeners, if you're if you don't know, Nintendo Power was a magazine that is now defunct. Please do not try and subscribe. Your money will be lost in the mail, and you will never get it back. I have an update for you, Mike, on the Logitech Speed Force Racing Wheel. It's a really neat steering wheel. I can't believe I never knew about this until now. It's a steering wheel that has the GameCube controller in the face of the wheel. Oh, so, that's sick! It's so cool, dude. You got to check this out. It has like a start button. It has the GameCube logo in the middle and Logitech. It's got your D-pad, A, B, X, and Y. Uh, it's weird that X and Y are actually flipped. That's going to take some getting used to. Uh, in that the, uh, I guess it would be the X button is on the left side of the A button as opposed to the right side on the standard controller. Don't like that. No, no, that would take a ton, too much getting used to. I'd like to know if you could play Smash Bros with this controller. <laughs> but really neat. And actually, I'm going to go a step further that if I ever get the chance to build my own dream car, this is the steering wheel I would use. Yeah, that would the rest, be sick. <laughs> the rest of the car, I don't care. I want the Logitech Speed Force steering wheel as my steering wheel of choice. They also made a Wii one. So if you wanted to play the game on Wii, it looks like there's a wireless one as well. But this is a really neat peripheral that I would love to try and pick up and see just what works with it and if it works well. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. But Mike, while I'm driving around Toronto with my Logitech Speed Force steering wheel attached to my Honda Civic, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on the GameCube with School podcast? Next week on the GameCube with School podcast, we talk about f-zero again no jokes we're not doing that <laughs> we're talking about jimmy neutron and the jimmy neutron games jimmy neutron of course was a movie in the 2000s and then became a tv show that you and i both love neil mm-hmm. uh going back to it that animation scares me i do not like that but uh, I, I i do love the this the show still it's still very funny I still love the show. Like, in my memory of the show, I love, and I love the movie. I should go back and check out the movie this week before we record, because that was a huge part of my childhood. For some reason, I associate Jimmy Neutron with the GameCube. I think it's because my friend that first got the GameCube when I was a kid, he also had Jimmy Neutron on DVD, which after school or, like, during the summertime, we would watch Jimmy Neutron and then play GameCube. So my early GameCube memories, especially Melee, uh, are very tied to the Jimmy Neutron movie. So that Mm. is a huge movie from my childhood that... A very good Nickelodeon movie that a lot of people don't talk about. I thought that that was going to become a bit more of a franchise, but it definitely lived and died within about three years. And of course, we know Jimmy Neutron is in Melee as a playable character. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine. That would be so good. Hey, maybe he'll be in that new Smash Bros. game with all the Nickelodeon characters. Right? That would be great. But there are three Jimmy uh, Neutron games on the GameCube, which I thought was pretty surprising. So we decided to make it its own episode rather than including it with all the Nickelodeon Uh, games that we talked about earlier this year so Mm -hmm. please check us out next thursday uh 2003 and uh we will see you then yep we will see you then but until then ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening to episode 64 of the gamecube was cool podcast new episode every thursday on all the major podcast services leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better if you want to support the show you can find us on patreon we are the gamecube was cool then you can follow us on instagram we are at the gamecube pod share us with your friends and family Tell Captain Falcon, Mike says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. Falcon Punch! Finish! Congratulations!